Way to go, lads. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Wow, that's fun. I go ahead and have a seat. That's a fun way to start Super Bowl Sunday, isn't it? Let's give it up again for Alexis Gomez and her band. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, so neat. Alexis Gomez started as a 14-year-old worship leader. Isn't that cool? And, uh, and, and look at uh, how the Lord's using her now to have such an impact. She's also one of our Players Box coaches. And as many of you know, the, the arts part of Players Box is so critical that we're able to to come alongside students who are facing the pressures of performing arts. And I think she's pretty qualified, don't you think? She's pretty qualified. To... We're glad you're here with us. Those of you watching online uh, or uh, in the other rooms, we're really glad you're here. If somebody brought you today, we want to give you a warm welcome. My name's Charlie. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, we are a church that uh, does a number of things. Uh, we are actually a church, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we are. Uh, but one of those things is we don't believe in this sacred secular division that, that there are no holy and unholy chairs. If a, if a really good chair is made by an atheist, then I'm gonna buy that chair over a bad chair that's made by a Christian. Anybody with me on that? Uh, it, so, but there are, there are holy and unholy things, but the, the sacred secular line, we, we constantly wanna blur that. Because that's what allows people to segment their life, is you draw that line and it allows you to segment, and there should be no segment. There should be no division. Your life is your life. There's no Christian truth and, and truth. There's only truth. And uh, we, I love that uh, weekends like this where we get to show the type of church we are. And, and I know some of you may be going, wow, this is not the Presbyterian church I grew up in, you know, <laughs> for sure. How many of you remember where you were about 9.30 at night, Monday, January 2nd? Anybody remember where you were? There's a really good chance you were praying. Because it had been a long time before, since millions of people in America had joined together at one moment to pray. And in that moment, it was to pray for a young man named Damar Hamlin. And... And I think all of us who were watching the Bengals and the Bills game that night had a moment of, did we just see someone die on a football field? And uh, I just, I just only, you know, C.S. Lewis once said, only heaven knows what is wrought on earth through prayer. Only heaven knows. And only heaven knows if, if millions of people joining together caused the ball of healing to be pushed down the field. And uh, I don't know if you saw the other night, but Damar Hamlin stood up and with the, the medical personnel at UC at the NFL awards night, the honors night, and he just, he, he looked amazing. If you're like me though, you, you, you probably, and I'm a football fan, and uh, did any of you know that? Did you guys know that I like football? And, uh, I, I, I had my own, ooh, is this worth it? Is this crashing into bodies, comp, fierce competition, is it worth it? Is competition worth it? In light of the fact that, especially in such a competitive country like America, it often gets out of control. 
I guarantee you, you could throw a rock right now, and nearby there's a little basketball game going on somewhere where somebody's out of control. And they're actually in the stands, and they're supposed to be a grown-up. But there are, somebody is out of control. When, in 1996, I played with a group that we played the United States women's Olympic team twice. We were, we were the trainers for the Olympic team. So we played them down at Fifth Third Arena in, uh, on UC's campus. Then we played them at St. John Arena at Ohio State. And, uh, and it was an amazing team. They're in the Hall of Fame. It was maybe the best women's team of all time. They could not have done it without us. <laughs> just to know. You know, they couldn't have done it. They just would never would have gotten over the hill without us. But, but uh, before the game, we meet, you know, Cheryl Swoops and Teresa Edwards and Ruthie Bolton and Lisa Leslie and Jennifer Az. I mean, these are just great players, but better people, better people. As a matter of fact, before the game, we're talking with Lisa Leslie's mom. Lisa Leslie's from Los Angeles, and her mom's just an extraordinary woman. She's talking and, and finds out that I'm a pastor. Oh, you're a pastor. Oh, my gosh, you're a pastor, and you're playing my daughter. Will you bless her today? Uh, you know, yeah, I'm going to bless her, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't know me very well. Because what happened a little bit into the game is there was a loose ball, and my instinct is to go for the loose ball. Well, sure enough, Jennifer Az's instinct is the same thing. And in a matter of moments, it looked like two crocodiles in, a, in a, just a roll. You know, it was just obscene. It's just really what it was. This is called what it was. And it got, I mean, I'm not letting go. She's not letting go. And all I hear, all I remember from that is Lisa Leslie's mother going, that's not how a pastor behaves. That's not how, that's not how a pastor acts. And um, I think I let Jennifer Azy have the ball. I just, I think I, you know, let go. A little bit later, there was another jump ball situation. In international rules, there's actually a jump ball. And one of our guys gets into this jump ball. He's going to jump the ball with Cheryl Swoops. Now, Cheryl Swoops is a really good athlete. And I know this guy, and I know what he's thinking. There's no way I'm losing this jump ball to a girl, okay? There is no way I'm losing this jump ball to a girl. So he gets this in his head. The, the official put, puts the ball up in the air, and he just whacks it out of bounds, just eliminating all doubt that he won the tap. He didn't care if we got possession. And the official goes, guys, ball. He goes, no, 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 no. I won the tap. Yeah, I hit it out of bounds. It's not, it's not our ball. It's their ball. And the official goes, I don't understand what you're doing. I'm giving you possession of the ball. No, no, no. I don't want the ball. I want the tap, you know, because there's nothing more fragile in the world than the male ego, is there? And uh, he was going to make sure. And I, I, I don't want to give up the, the, you know, the male chauvinist who was, uh, who was involved in that. But if you want to know more about that story, Bob Westerfield knows a lot more about that story <laughs> than I do. But we, we all know situations where we just... We just get out of control. I was talking to the Players Box Elementary parents this week, and I, and I remember, I remember I'm coaching fourth grade Centerville Hustle basketball, and Coach Holtry and I are on the phone. We would talk regularly. I was, and, and, I, and he, you know, he's a high school basketball coach, and I'm talking to him about the zone we're going to play in fourth grade Centerville Hustle basketball this weekend. And I look back on that, and I go, First of all, he didn't care about what we were doing in fourth grade basketball, nor was it important. But it gets out of control so often, doesn't it? It really does. And what's the driver behind that? What's the driver behind 
why, especially in this country, it seems more so than a lot of others, you know, I, we spent time in Australia, and Australians don't get why we're so obsessed about youth sports. And Australia is nuts about sports, but they have a total, but believe me, Australia has a totally different ethos and pathos about youth sports. They just don't, they just don't think it's the end of the world if little Johnny doesn't get playing time in third grade. And why is it? Well, look at this word, look at this word. The, the word for competition comes from the Latin word competere. Say that with me, competere. And what it means is, is to strive together. Competere means to strive together or aim together. So the prefix com means to come together, to agree, and petere means to strive or to aim. And so it's an amazing value that competition has because it makes us better, correct? When done well, it makes us better. It deepens character. Um, it, it matures us when it's done well. But you and I both know that's not exactly how it gets manifested in this country all the time. And the, the, the little talk that I want to give on this Super Bowl Sunday is this. Southbrook, I would love for you and for me to put the calm back into competition. Would anybody else like to see that? Would anybody else like to see that? To put the together back into competition. And, and because of this, look at this. The real battle going on in competition is within you. That's the real battle going on. And that battle is, can I give my best? Can I, if it's your grandchild, cheer my best? And yet, do it with the spirit of calm. C-O-M. Withness. Now remember... From a spiritual standpoint, Ephesians 6.12 says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spirit, uh, spiritual, the rulers of evil in the heavenly realms. So even, even, you know, believe it or not, Centerville Springboro is not the battle. Miamisburg Springboro is not the battle. That's not the battle that's going on when we vilify the opposing team. That's really not the battle. The battle that's going on is much, much deeper than that when we choose to villainize someone. And so one of the things as Christ followers that we have to look at is this, is this how do we compete? I just want to walk through that real quick as a reminder on this Super Bowl Sunday. Now, you'll notice the Browns nor the Bengals are in it, so I really don't care who wins. So I, if, if they were in it, I wouldn't be giving this talk today, okay? I would not be giving this talk today. Look at these words from 1 Corinthians 9.24 in the message translation. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Paul's using an example from the Isthmian games. They were the games that were actually played in Corinth. They were the companion to the Greek games. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. Now he's talking about life, of course. The life with Christ. He's talking about choose to win the race with Christ. But he is overtly using a competitive metaphor. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. Great insight there into how a Christ follower needs to view competition. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out on it myself. Three questions from that. 
First question is, whenever I compete or I'm involved in a competitive endeavor, how am I competing should be the question. In business, in sports, in arts, how am I competing should be a question we always ask ourselves. Paul says, I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. The whole point of competition is to do just that, is to not Focus on the outcome, but focus on the process. That's when competition can be unbelievably valuable. When competition is, I am growing myself through this. I am maturing myself from this. Uh, A lot of us, I'm toughening myself through this. Unbelievable value. It has a value for the life with Christ. Now, my sisters, my four sisters were here. They will tell you, three of them are older than I am, one of them younger. They would tell you, and they're listening right now, so they'll hold me account for this, that I came out of the womb competitive. And when I was little, I was a bad loser. I I can't tell you how many times I heard them yell at me, you are a bad loser, and I was. I can't tell you, I, I set a record for getting kicked out of front yard games, I guarantee it. Nobody got kicked out by their mother out of front yard games. But as I matured, and by the time I get into college, I, I realize the fun is in the process. The fun is in the striving. And this is what's great today, why I'm still, uh, I, I still love to compete. And I've always been a square peg in a round hole. Like churches, you're not supposed to be competitive when you're in a church. But I am. And, and this is part of why Paul's using this as, a, as an example is because he was. I think this was his nature. If he were doing an Enneagram test today, Paul would be an eight, we call it, or a three. Where he is, man, I am striving. I'm running hard for the finish line. Now, why that's important is because when we make the outcome the focus, that's when we become, I'm the good guy, you're the bad guy. And we start vilifying the opposition. The famous novelist Gore Vidal said, it's not enough to succeed, others must fail. And this is, you know, this is exactly, exactly what happens in competition. We lose sight that the value of competition is in the striving, not the winning per se. And others must fail. I, I, I think this, I really believe this, that the goal of every Christ follower is that we compete with empathy to those who are outside our circle. We compete with empathy to those outside our circle. And if you're a winner-takes-all type person, you're looking at me going, yeah, it's one of those soft participation trophy pastors. I know who you are. You don't think it's important for second graders to win everything. We're growing a soft America because we don't compete for the trophy anymore. Well, then you don't know who I am. The striving is the value, though. And the character trait that comes out when we do it with empathy is amazing. I have, many of you know, I have a big old Ohio State room in my basement. It has all kinds of memorabilia. And I have a lot of OSU Michigan memorabilia. This right here, look at this picture. This is my favorite OSU Michigan memorabilia right here. This is the 2014 OSU Michigan game. And JT Barrett has just broken his ankle. And Michigan quarterback Devin Gardner is on his knees 
laying hands on J.T. Barrett, praying for him. And I, I, uh, Cheryl, I'll tell you this. When I see sportsmanship, I get all weepy. I do, because there's just nothing that warms my heart like that. Did, did you guys see, did you show it? You didn't see it? Do we have that picture, gang, of uh, Dev? We do not have that picture. I'm so sorry. Here, I'll, I'll show it to you. I'll show it to you right here. Okay. So how am I competing is a, is a question you've got to ask. And again, interjecting yourself. How am I when my granddaughter is competing? Same thing. Second question is why? Why? What's driving my competitive spirit in business that has gotten me into up-down games? I must win, they must fail. Instead of, as Stephen Covey famously said, win-win scenarios. Well, look what Paul says in verse 25. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades, but you're different. You're after one that's, that's eternal in nature. That's your, you, got, you have a big picture. After he won his third Super Bowl, Tom Brady was interviewed by 60 Minutes, and he famously asked the question as in 60 Minutes after his third Super Bowl. I think he had like seven more to go or something. He famously asked the question, I'm honestly asking myself, is this all there is? Is this it? There has to be more. And for those of you who are winners, and yet you're still in the words of Bono, haven't found what you're looking for, there is more. There is more. There is more. But one of the keys to growing in Christ for those of us who are competitive by nature is understanding our, our why. Why are we so driven to compete? I told you a few weeks ago, as a freshman in high school, I was 5'6", 120, not exactly a five-star prospect. And I said in a group meeting, I wanted to be I wanted to play college basketball, and my coach snickered at that. 25 years later, I'm back at my high school playing in an alumni basketball game, and we're playing against the group that were freshmen when we were seniors, and the particular coach who snickered when I said that was he always just favored them. He just loved that group of guys. They were talented. They were just more talented than we are, much more successful and in this alumni basketball game, we were playing them. And that snicker had been smoldering for 25 years. And we're up 20 with 30 seconds to go in the game. And I still go for a steal. And I get a compound fracture in my middle finger. It, my, my, my upper part of my finger goes up and back. And it's so appropriate that it was my middle finger that got broken. <laughs> so appropriate. Because that desire, the ire behind our desire is the fire that you have to find out what's behind this. Because usually, 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 it is some unmet desire. A competitive fire that comes from an unmet desire quickly becomes distorted, destructive, and diseased. And I'll stand up here today and tell you that I regret a couple things in my life. One was when I've been harsh, when I should have been gentle. And the other is when my competitive fire went way over the boundaries. And every single one of us who have kids who compete or we compete in business ourselves is the why of competition for most people is self-glory. I am trying to prove something. I'm trying to prove something to my freshman basketball coach who forgot about that comment a long time ago. <laughs> 
Or the why of competition for Christ followers is Christ's glory. That I do this to bring honor to Christ with my abilities, with my character, with my competere. I strive, but I do it with a spirit of calm, of calm, of withness. I know this will shock you, but churches get competitive. Did you know that? Can you believe pastors get competitive? Can you believe that? And you can be at a, pa- a, co- a pastor's conference, and, and the code for how big is your church is, how's your church doing? That usually means how big is your church? And if your church isn't doing well, you, you'll, you'll know that because we pastors will focus on quality over quantity. Well, you know, um, we're doing really well. We haven't had that many converts, but we converted uh, Hugh Hefner and Jimmy Hoffa and the Dalai Lama lately. You know, that's, that's kind of, we're over quality over quantity. And, um, and, and it's, it just, it just, it's insidious. It's insidious. The, the, the reality of competition among Christ followers is amazing. And our why should shift. Our why should shift to, I'm going to, I'm, we're, we compete to bring honor to Christ. And that leads to the last question, who am I competing for? For whom am I competing? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So sports and business and arts are under the, and academics are under the whatever else you do. Whatever else you do, that your modus operandi, your core fire is, how can I with my demeanor and my effort bring honor to Christ. And this gets deep into the soul because of this question. Throughout your life, who have been your most important scorekeepers? Parents, teachers, coaches, bosses, neighbors, co-workers, peers. And the reason that every one of us who are in competitive environments have to ask that question is this, is our actions will be controlled by the scoring system to which we are emotionally connected. Our actions will be controlled by the scoring system to which we are emotionally connected, and we don't even realize we're connected to that system. We don't realize that today this is still driving us. So in 2011, I had been in ministry for, uh, at that point, 25 years, and I finally had to say, hey, i got to take a break from this. My mom had died. My dad had died. My dog had died. I mean, everybody was, was I, was, I had gone through loss and, and a bunch of leadership stuff. And I just had to, I got to exit this. And what I found out through my dear mentor and friend, Dr. Gary Sweeten, is my mom was still my scoreboard. She had died. Now, this is a problem, isn't it? She had died two years uh, or two months earlier and she was still, I was still seeking her approval. Southbrook was my mother. So when Southbrook did well, I felt a, the approval of my mom. I mean, no, it gets into tight diaper stuff. I, I know that. I mean, it really does. But I was still seeking the approval of my dead mother. I was. That I never really got. She didn't like men and she didn't like preachers. That was a problem. Okay, this was, this was a problem. And if you want to honor Christ with how you compete in whatever realm you compete, you better know for whom am I competing? Who is my scoreboard? Because you may say, ah, I'm a Christian. It's Jesus. It may not be. 
I remember one time I was, I, I was listening to the late, great Pete Maravich give a talk. Pete Maravich was maybe the greatest college basketball player of all time. He was 6'5", and he was way ahead of his time. And he tried everything. But one day he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ, and he became an unbelievable voice for Christ. At 42 years of age, he was in a gym at Focus on the Family in Colorado Springs, and he just died of a heart defect that he had had his whole life and didn't know. But a few months before he died, he was at a youth convention, and he said, students, I want to tell you something. He said, I have a trophy in my house that is six feet five and a quarter inches tall. It is my height. And you know what's happened to that trophy right now? It is collecting dust and rust. Because that's what happens to the trophies of this world. But let me tell you about a trophy that will never spoil, fade, or perish kept in heaven for you. Through, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is our why, isn't it? And this is our who. This is our who. There's a, there's a psalm that, that often gets misrepresented. This is one of the top ten verses in Scripture that is, that is taken out of its context. Psalm 37.4 says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, the way that is misappropriated is often... Commit yourself to Jesus, and he'll give you everything you want. He'll turn your cataracts into Cadillacs, and he, ooh, he's going to bless you, and he, you know, all this stuff. And that's just a, a, a blatant misuse of that. The context of the, even within the Psalms is, when you give your heart to Christ, he knows what's really behind your compulsive need to win. And that desire that's unmet in there, He'll meet that desire. He'll take someone who's a zany, out-of-control competitor, let's say, who will cut corners in business to win, and that same person will still have passion. But now with their ethics, they honor Christ. And sometimes they lose because of it. But now they have a bigger picture. And if you're here today, and this is your first reintroduction to Christ, we want you to know that Jesus just doesn't give you everything you want. That would put an incredible burden on how, what you ask for. You, you then are in charge, actually. But he's in charge, and he knows you better than you know yourself. He really does. And when I relapse into competitive zeal, which I do, anybody else here relapse? When I relapse, I just surrender to God who knows me. And I say, Lord, I'm so sorry. Help me to keep the big picture. Help me to make sure that I'm living for the crown, the trophy that will never spoil, never fade, never perish, that's kept in heaven for me. Listen to this song that our team is going to do. It's actually a, you know, no matter where you are today, that, that there is Jesus. There is Jesus this encompassing reality who envelops our all. As a matter of fact, in, in Colossians it says, he is over all and through all and in all. And just stay seated and listen as the team, you know, leads us to Christ today.
Every time I tried to make it on mine Every time I tried to stand and start to fall and all those lonely roads that I traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground and the friends I had were nowhere to be found. I couldn't see it there, but I can see it. There was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurt, like a blessing buried in the broken Every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it, I couldn't see it. There was Jesus. For this man who needs amazing kind of grace. For forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay. I'm not perfect, so I thank God every day. Oh, yeah. There was Jesus. Oh, there was Jesus. Oh, in the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken Every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it, I couldn't see it. On the mountain, in the valleys, oh, in the shadows of the alleys, oh. Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it, I couldn't see it. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see your promises and fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. I see the evidence of your goodness. 
our hope uh, that you that you just feel that feeling that you felt when Boot Scoot and Boogie came on. Like, that's God's idea. That goodness is God's idea. That feeling when your team scores, that's God's idea. That feeling when your kid smiles at you, that's God's idea. All that joy, all that goodness is God's idea. The only reason we get to feel it is because of the goodness and the grace of God. And so we celebrate that today. The hot dogs are a feeble attempt to celebrate the goodness of God, but it's, it's a part of it. We hope you'll stick around, enjoy each other's company. Uh, our mission as a church is to embody the way that Jesus chases after the one sheep who feels lonely and isolated and like they're not a part of the party. And so every time we throw kinds of days like this, uh, we hope you will invite your friends. We have a couple things coming up for you to invite people to. Uh, February 24th is our comedy and couples and cupcakes night. Uh, so if you forgot Valentine's Day, you can just pretend like you had this planned all along and come to that. Uh, also coming up in March, we have a first responders event that's hosted uh, by a group that tries to just encourage people who do that kind of work. Uh, so if you know people who that's affected by, it's a great chance to invite them to come be a part of the party uh, that we're throwing around here. Hopefully you will enjoy the lobby, jump in those flotation things, do whatever you need to do to feel joy today. Uh, our great hope is that you just keep on finding fifth downs. Um, some of you, some of you know that, why? Why the Bengals aren't in this, because sometimes teams get fifth downs. And, and it's just our hope. It's just our hope that right when you need it, you'll get a fifth down too. So uh, go enjoy the day. Thanks for being here. <laughs>